Hey guys, we are going to jump right into one of my very favorite and probably more familiar stories in the Bible, and I'm going to bring it right up to culturally significant and relevant by switching out a couple of words, and I really hope and pray that it brings you massive encouragement. Check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, how's it going? How you hanging in? How we doing? How we feeling? (laughs) Oh, I have to say... I felt a little burdened after my last podcast about the eternal over the natural. Not burdened by the message. I do believe that our answer and our anchor through these crazy times is the things that are eternal. And God and Jesus, 100%. But... I don't know that I brought that message in the most humble fashion, and I felt um, a little convicted almost immediately, but I still put it out there, and so I hope that it wasn't offensive to anybody, and if it was, I apologize. I just felt it was a little bit strong-handed, and it is so important to me in these moments because I am so aware of, as I mentioned in that podcast, the hypocrisy and the irony um, of this situation in the way that the other side of this conversation is approaching this conversation. I just want to be very distinct and set apart from that um, anger and bitterness and reactionary language and, and emotional, you know, undertones in my, my voice and all of that. And I feel like I didn't do a great job on the last podcast of separating the message and the emotions. And I'm always, always on a journey as we all are to um, be aware and be more humble. So almost immediately, I guess the next day after I posted that podcast, I was reading in the Bible and came across a story that is very familiar if you've been a believer for any length of time, you likely know it well. If you're not a believer, you probably have heard of it, or you might be familiar with it. You've heard something like it. And I kind of, as I was reading it, I'm like, this is what I meant to say. This is what I meant to say in a more articulate way, of course, because scripture is God-breathed, right? Authored by Holy Spirit. And so Of course, it's better than the way that I said it, but I wanted to share it with you guys um, and really pull out the pieces that stuck out to me because 
I read this very familiar story in a way that wrecked me the other morning, just brought me to tears. And I thought about it all day. I was, I was very just like shaken by it all day because it really anchored me as much as it awed me at how miraculous and spectacular and faithful our God is. And if you are not a believer, or let me just start with saying, if you've been listening to this podcast or you know me, you might have picked up on the fact that I was not always a believer. I actually was an atheist. And so for me and my journey to faith, which you can read all about in my book, which is in the show notes called What If You're Wrong? It's my testimony, my journey from atheism to faith. But in that journey, it was really important to me to not, I I was very against any kind of leap of faith, if you will. I wanted to know for sure. I wanted answers. I wanted certainty. I wanted clarification. I wanted data. So ironically, here we are um, in COVID and I want some of the same things, right? So that's kind of fun. But apologetics became really important to me and understanding the authority of the Bible as a historical document And if you're not a believer, or even if you are, because it is my understanding that a lot of people who have been Christians or have a Christian worldview don't believe the Bible is literal. They more believe it's, you know, figurative or there's kind of stories that are told to kind of paint a picture and maybe not necessarily exactly what happened or, and that's certainly the way that I viewed the Bible before I was a believer. But on my journey to faith, I really had to dive into what is the context or the historical accuracy of the scriptures? Like where is it, is the Bible the only place that you can learn about Jesus? Or is the Bible the only place you can learn about Moses or Noah or these other, you know, quote unquote characters that we hear about in the Bible? And I would encourage you to read my book to learn a little bit more. So shameless plug. But what I learned is that it is one of the more valid and verifiable documents that we have it is absolutely historical content, historical documents. The Old Testament all the way to Adam were based on journals and chronicles that were taken firsthand by the people. Uh, often, you know, Moses will quote, will quote from the chronicles of Noah and from the chronicles of Adam, you know, so we, we get a sense that there is a Things are being written down. Things are being passed down. All that to say, the prophets, by the time we hit the prophets, were really getting into a lot of things that are written down and verified elsewhere and kings and second kings and chronicles and all of these things are all documented and you know corroborated by other historical texts. And I found all that interesting and, and really it anchored me even more into the accuracy of the Bible, and not just of the pages of the Bible, but the stories within them, that they happen. And so when I when I read these stories, and when I read these words, the reason why it shakes me so much is I believe, not just because I took a leap of faith, I believe because I understand now the way that the Bible was compiled. And so I can put faith in these stories as truth and accurate 
depictions of what happened. And so I was reading in Daniel the other morning when I was struck and I have studied Daniel. Daniel is a prophet in the Bible. He's pretty much right smack dab in the middle. You can find the book of Daniel, uh, 12 chapters. And I studied Daniel in depth over the fall and into the winter months leading into COVID, right before COVID hit. So it was kind of funny because Daniel is basically half, this, the, half of the book of Daniel is about Daniel and the things that he experienced in his life. And then the other half is kind of references end time prophecy, right? It parallels a lot of what they say in Revelation. There's a lot of echoes there. And so it was really fascinating to me to kind of just dig into that and learn about prophecies of end times. As you guys know, I'm like morbidly obsessed with learning about that. So I was reading Daniel chapter three, which is the fiery furnace for those of you who know it well. And for those of you who, like I said, maybe you are familiar, you've heard of the three guys that get tossed in the furnace and they end up making it out okay and it's all good, right? So you might have heard that story, but I actually am going to read through it. And please don't be bored because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I'm going to take some liberty here. So I'm going to change some of the key words here, some of the key factors to make it relevant because when I was reading it, Holy Spirit was making those corrections as I read it. And that's what shook me so much was I, I was seeing this story. I, I took it out of the Old Testament and it fits right in with what we're walking through today. And it, it drove home, as I mentioned, my thoughts and feelings and my point that we have got to be focused on things that are eternal over the things in the natural, because only then are we truly free. And let me just walk you through this. Okay, so Daniel 3, you can read along with me if you'd like. Let's go for a walk here. King Nebuchadnezzar, we're talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, a very historically documented king <laughs> of Babylon. So we're in Babylon. Let me give you some context. When Babylon conquered Judah, Daniel was taken as a young man into exile, like as a slave for uh, Babylon. And he was trained up, as we learn in chapters one and two of Daniel, he was essentially picked and trained up as a, uh, he was, it said that he was picked because he was good looking, strong, fit, all the things that matter in the natural. <laughs> and he was hand selected with a couple of his buddies and they were trained up to serve very near the king. And Right away, we see Daniel, and this is so remarkable. I love the character of Daniel. Right away, we see Daniel hang so tightly onto his integrity in Babylon. He has been pulled out of his land, of his home, and put into a foreign land, right? Or, or a foreign kingdom, I should say. Um, he's, he's taken away and put under slavery. And he refuses to let go of his faith. Of course, Babylon doesn't worship the same God that Daniel does. Daniel worships the almighty God. And Babylon has many gods that they're worshiping and idols and all the things. And Daniel makes a point of holding on to his faith and his customs, even when he is taken captive, even when he is, when it's inconvenient, even when it could mean 
his life, his physical, he could be physically beaten. He could be imprisoned. There's a number of things that could happen to Daniel for holding on to his faith and his customs in this time. Specifically, it talks about his diet. He doesn't want to eat the Babylonian diet, which is unclean for Jews. So he asks his captor if he can stick to his own diet and they permit him. And I'm like, how interesting, right? So even there, I was seeing parallels to what we're dealing with now that it would be so much easier for Daniel to just go with the flow, just put on the mask, just get the thing, get the jab, do the things. It would be so much easier for him to do that. But he's like, you know what? Let me just ask. And I have a sense that he would have done it anyway. But he clinged to his principles and held integrity, even in the midst of persecution and in the midst of discomfort, and even in the face of something worse than that, right? So that's where we're at leading into chapter three. So at this point, Daniel has been appointed kind of a high level under King Nebuchadnezzar. He has been a dream interpreter for King Nebuchadnezzar. So Daniel has interpreted dreams and gained favor for the king. And so here we are, and Daniel has kind of his three buddies that were also handpicked with Daniel and trained up to work closely with the king, and their names are Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. You might have heard of them. Okay, so let's jump into the story. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. So let me just stop already. Back in in those days, this was a common practice to literally erect a, a physical idol so you could see it with your eyes, be impressed by its giantness, as this one was giant, and worship it, okay? So I'm going to sub out this golden statue, this giant idol that we're all worshiping for the jab. Let's call it the golden jab. King Nebuchadnezzar created a golden jab. And it was huge and glorious. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, prefix, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of this golden jab that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So all the important people, everybody, all the big deal people. So the satraps, prefix, Governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces assembled. Did I say provinces before? Provinces assembled for the dedication of the, of the golden jab the king had set up. Then they stood before the golden jab Nebuchadnezzar had set up. A herald loudly proclaimed, People of every nation, language, nation and language, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of whatever media... Facebook, Instagram, and every kind of news story. You are to fall face down and worship the golden jab that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. (laughs) You with me, you guys? I know it's a little silly, but walk with me. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the media and of Facebook and of Instagram and all of the scary propaganda news, people of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the golden jab that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the unvaccinated. The text says the Jews. 
Isn't that fun? <laughs> maliciously accused the Jews, but today they maliciously accuse the unvaccinated. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all of this bad news on the media must fall down and worship the golden jab. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. There are some unvaccinated you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, these men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your jab or worship this golden jab statue. They do not serve your fear-mongering or worship your golden jab that you have set up. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> we know who Nebuchadnezzar is, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my fear-mongering or worship the golden jab I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the fear propaganda from the mainstream media, fall down and worship the statue that I made. Fall down and worship the golden jab I made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God that can rescue you from my power? So there's the first point I'm going to stop. Who is the God? This is what King Nebuchadnezzar our administration recently said, this is not about your freedom, right? We're hearing just some crazy one-liners come out of our administration that they zing me. They zing me because I'm like, who do you think you are to say such a thing, right? So that was when I read this text. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? King Nebuchadnezzar says. Who do you think you are, King Nebuchadnezzar, right? So I would imagine, because I'm on the receiving end of, ja of jabs, pun intended, of jabs like that one from our administration, where it makes me stand up a little taller and go, I'm sorry, I do not answer to you. You are not the highest power that exists. Who do you think you are? So I would think, because it seems like a familiar situation, that Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego stood up a little taller in that moment when he said that, when he was bold enough, Nebuchadnezzar was bold enough to say such a thing to their faces. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. Full stop. <laughs> this was such a convicting of my spirit. I don't know how many of you have been baited into conversations that didn't go well. You knew they wouldn't go well. Maybe you engaged in a conversation that you're like, what is the point? This person is just not going to change or we're just not going to see eye to eye on this. Or maybe you were angry or in the wrong heart posture as I was the other day. Maybe that's happened to you. And this really convicted me. We don't need to give you an answer to this question. I don't need to explain myself to you is what they're saying. <laughs> I don't need to bow down and worship your thing and I don't need to explain to you why I don't. Right? Note to self, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. 
But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden jab that you set up. This part, I'm going to go on and read the rest, but this part brought tears to my eyes. This was the part where I thought that was the moment where they decided I will choose what is eternal over what is in the natural. And you know where they're standing. They are literally standing beside this fiery furnace. They have been brought to it because he said, if you do not bow down and worship this immediately, it says this right before in the verses right before, you will immediately be thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. It's right there. They can see it. They can feel the heat. And in the face of that certainty of what will become of them, they chose integrity. They chose their principles. They chose things that are eternal over things that are in the natural. And I know that that sounds crazy. And I know that it might seem like that is a stupid decision or a silly decision or a flippant decision. But my goodness gracious, we know our life is but a flash. Our life is but a flash. But our eternity, that's what we're that's what we're working towards. That's where we're going to. This is not our home. And in the face of that kind of persecution, these three men decided, we will not serve you. We will serve the God who is eternal. And it says, we know that he can. And we know that he is more powerful than you. And then it says in verse 18, but even if he does not rescue us, even if he does not rescue us. We want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. Even if that is the eternal over the natural moment, knowing that even if God doesn't do what I hope and pray he will do in the natural, even if I will still not bow down to the idols of this natural world. I will still not compromise, even if. Let's go on. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. Seven times more than what was customary. This is what I'm seeing in the world, this kind of visceral anger coming from both sides. Visceral anger. I just heard from my friend today that she was in Marshall's shopping and a woman came up to her and berated her. Yes, my friend was not wearing a mask in the state of California. I understand that is a terrible, terrible crime. But she was doing her shopping with her daughter and this woman, with her young daughter, and this woman came up and got in her face and cussed her out and told her to get her ugly face out of the store. Vicious. Like what, what struck me hearing that story was this person, this woman, whoever she was, thought she was the good person in this exchange. She, was, she felt that she was the good person. And that my friend, harmlessly shopping, healthy, without a mask over her face, was the evil one. 
This is the beautiful deception of the enemy. He is so clever that he will cause us to be so overly vicious, overly vicious to one another. So King Nebuchadnezzar is filled with rage and he orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. And he commanded some of the best soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, head coverings, and other clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so extremely hot, the raging flames killed those men who carried Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego up to the furnace. It was so hot that the men who took them up to put them in the furnace were burned alive, died, killed, just for taking them up to put them in the furnace. That's how hot this was. And these three men, Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, fell bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied to the king. He exclaimed, look, I see four men not tied walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Oh, it brings tears to my eyes right now. Even if he doesn't rescue you from the fire, he shows up in the fire. They go in bound and they are seen. It says, I see four men not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. Not only is he in the fire with you, but he has set you free in the fire. Because you did not remain trapped in your fear of the natural, you go into the fire. You do. Sometimes we will. But he will meet you in the fire and he will set you free in the fire. Verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and called Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, you servants of the most high God, come out. So Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego come out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of their head was singed. Their robes were unaffected and there was no smell of fire on them. I don't know if you've sat by a campfire for more than 28 seconds, but you're going to smell like smoke the next day. If you are even near the fire, you smell like smoke. These men were in the fire. They were walking around in the fire and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. God's protection and provision is complete and sufficient and beyond what we could ever conjure up for ourselves in the natural. It is so good. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. He sent his angel and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command and risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone of any people, nation, or language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego 
will be torn limb from limb and his house made a garbage dump. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't do anything halfway, right? I mean, come on. For there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. So at the end of the story, the very man who built the statue, who demanded the worship of it, who set down this decree of outrageous punishment if you did not comply, the very man who put all this into motion and threw these men into what would surely be a horrific and graphic death, comes out a believer of the Most High God. Because these men chose what is eternal over what is natural. They chose to put 100% faith in a God who is 100% good, who is faithful. And they knew as they made this choice, even if, even if it goes really bad in the natural, I'm still choosing it. I'm still choosing him. I'm still holding on to Jesus. Send me in. I hope that encourages you. I hope you could go with me on those parallels there. Because like I said, as I read through this, I just saw the absolute parallels to what we're walking through right now and what we might face. Obviously, I hope we're not literally facing being thrown in the fire. But doesn't it feel like our feet are being held to the fire right this minute? Sure feels like that to me. So that's my encouragement for y'all from our, our familiar story in Daniel 3. I hope that that served you. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Father God, we love you. We love you and we trust you. Please help us to anchor into all the things that are eternal and none of the things that are in the natural, Lord. Please let us hold so tightly to you and who you are and, and be able to trust, reach our trust out beyond that ledge and know that even if, even if you don't meet us here in the natural, you will meet us in the fire. And it's in the fire that you burn the ropes around our hands that you set us free, Lord. Let us be encouraged by that. Let us be reminded of these stories, Lord. Bring them to our mind. Bring them to our heart often. Let them encourage us that we may be bold to stand up so that those who are persecuting us can see the power, the majesty, the might of you, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen.